Blog Talk Radio. Y'all know how I do. I always, I'm always talk about doing something that is not ready. <laughs> okay, guys, hold on. Here we go. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing, share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the dash female dash solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao, in India, Namaste, in Japan, Konnichiwa, in Korea, Hanyohaseo, in Russia, Zrastutsie, in Germany, Putentas, in Poland, in France, Bonjour, in Spain, Hola, in Italy, Xiao, in Egypt, Asen Wasaba, in Ghana, Akwaba, in Nigeria, Peleo, in South Africa, Saobona, in Senegal, Nangadek, in Kenya, Jambo, in Israel, Shalom, in Pakistan, Afghanistan,
um, she comes from my past big time. And so um, a lot of our upbringing is very similar, but what's most important to me is how she executes what we know, you know, and how she applies what she's learned to make our people better. Um, We'll talk a little bit about our, together we'll talk a little bit about our past, but I want to introduce her now. Unmute that mic, girl, because I'm about to bring you on. This is none other than my girl, Ayana Webb. Hey, baby, how are you? Good morning. Hey, welcome to the show. Good morning, listeners. Ah, see, she's So basically, um, man, I'm a. This just is a, a good conversation because we talk all the time. But sometimes the excellence, I be like, why isn't anyone else hearing this? So today is really about that, creating, um, letting people know who you are. And man, we've made decisions to go out in the world and do things. So I'm gonna start. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rewind back to us as as young girls. Um, Ayana and I, were we went to high school together, and we both from Harlem. Muted. <laughs> I'm from Harlem. <laughs> so um, to this school called Notre Dame, it was an all-girls Catholic high school, and um, you know, you just trained the same way. I went to, high, I went to Catholic school for all grammar school, too. What about you? Yeah. New York school, uh, grade one through 12. No doubt. No doubt. And I'm going to tell y'all, it does make a difference. We're not like any kind of devout Catholics, but the standard for what you learn and how you use what you learn. I know, I know how to uh, graph a sentence. Uh, that Look, Sister Mary, Jane, Sister Mary Jane made sure we know how to graph a sentence, honey. And um, I'm not going to say words that make people go, oh, what? But the fact that, okay, here's these two girls in Harlem, here's these two girls that went to Catholic school, but we didn't know each other, but we did come come together in uh, in high school. What would you say, Yana, is some of the, some of what was created in that universe when we met, being in that school, all that stuff? Um, boy, I think that one of the things that is important is not only just our development, but I definitely, looking back, I would say being around a group of peers who um, excel to believe in excellence, in excellence, uh, not only, you know, academically, but um, peers who had vision, uh, peers who were creative, who were artistic and into art, all of that influenced me, and it made me uh, realize that your peer group and the people who you're around when you're young Majorly, like it's not even a game. It's a real deal. Uh, you don't know how it's shaping you at the time. Right. But when you become an adult, you'd be like, dang, I got some dope skills. You know, not, it's not egotistical, but it just, it is a thing because it takes conversations into a certain world. It, it makes you take what you've learned and apply it in a way that it's really going to make an impact. So um, we're going to just jump a little bit. And Tell you became a speech pathologist, a speech and language pathologist, right? Now, what is that? Tell me what that is, because I don't think a lot of people understand what that is and uh, what it does. Yeah, I would say simply that a speech language pathologist is someone who is able to diagnose and treat 
disorders of communication. Uh, so, for example, uh, a communication disorder can be, there are many, many disorders, but uh, one can be, let's say a popular one is what people call stuttering, okay? That has to do with speech and uh, the problem with, the, right, because when we speak, we have a natural flow. So if a person has a problem with that, it's in the area of speech, so they would see a speech and language pathologist. Uh, and there are different levels of, I would say, um, professionals who can help individuals who have problems with impairment. So let's talk about um, other issues of communication. And when we say communication, we not only mean the use of words, but anything that transmits the message to another person. Even if you are using signs and you don't even use words, that's actually a form of communication. So if you have an impairment with that, you too can uh, be treated by a speech and language pathologist, uh, once again, who is a person that will diagnose, and diagnose meaning they will, um, with training and education, they have a certain protocol that uh, they would look at to determine if you do have a problem with any of these uh, speech or communication uh, disorders. Uh, and so I can talk about a few of what those disorders would be, but I would uh, also like to say that where I would say cousins with people who are called um, audiologists, okay. another uh, communication problem could be hearing. And that is treated by a person who's called an audiologist. Mm -hmm. And that's a different track of, track of training, but that also has to do with uh, impairment in communication. Mm -hmm. so I would simply say we, would, we diagnose and then we treat, meaning we would do our best to help that individual, we use um, training and what we call best practices of those tra of that training to disorder and to help that individual improve their communication. Mm. Now, I could only imagine who we'd be dealing with. Because I remember this girl when we were young, she would stutter all the time. And we young, so we was probably mean. Lord have mercy, you know, I, I beg for forgiveness. But she stuttered, but we didn't understand what that was. So my point is, you you have children that have these issues, but then you have adults that have these, these issues. What's the difference between the two in your experience? Like what happens, and do you address both age groups the same, or is there a specific thing you do for young people, a specific thing you do for older people, for adults? What do you do? Right, absolutely. Uh, the other thing, too, that I forgot a big segment of what we treat, and that leads to the question that you just said. So we treat communication disorders, but we also treat swallowing disorders. Mm. So that's a big, uh, that's a huge part of our work. And um, <clears throat> pardon me, so partly into your question, when you ask uh, what level of what age group that we treat, um, my term is that, um, well, I would say that we treat from newborns to um, centenarians or like people who are even over 100. My oldest patient was 106. Wow. So we treat all ages. Uh, there are some uh, speech and language pathologists who work in environments where in any given day they can treat all age, rate, all age ranges. And there are some who typically work with pediatric or young children. And then there are others who tend to work with the adult age population. 
um, we're school-age population, so we treat a variety of, of ages. And uh, certainly a lot, the difference would be, one, is that obviously because of growth and development, you, the sequence pathologist, would treat according to the age and the expected development and, and also according to what that impairment is or what the, the problem is. Okay, what do you mean by um, expected development? So um, we are all, you know, human beings, um, you know, who are, who, yeah, <laughs> are um, we are, we have a certain track of development, right? So, sort of, our research has found that there are standards in the way in which our expectations in the way that we develop in terms of our communication, and this has been well established during research. Uh, so that means that, you know, from the time that you're born, and actually even in the womb, but let's, let's start with from the time you're born till about, let's say, six, you have, there's an expectation on the type of communication you should display. There's also expectation on um, how you should be chewing and swallowing. Mm-hmm. And that's just based on researchers who are able to just look at the accumulation of a lot of individuals and look at those, look at their activities and say, okay, by this, by age one, uh, they're able to, you know, say 20 words by age two. Okay. They're able to say 150 words gotcha. by age three. They're speaking in sentences. So on and on and on. And so that's what I mean by, uh, you know, the expectation. Uh, let's also talk about the human anatomy, right? Human anatomy develops as we grow. Mm-hmm. And so there are things that are happening, even like in the womb and when, um you have uh, a pre-born baby coming together, there are expectations. That's why when people go get ultrasounds, you're able to say, okay, this is what's happening at this month and this month. Well, that continues even after we, we grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that's what I mean by expected development, that we're all on a course. Talk about the adult. Okay. Level and another impairment could be in voice and how your voice sounds. That is uh, an area that we would treat. So, for example, between males and females, there are expectations and standards, not expectations, but there are developed um, information about how pitch would sound and how voice sounds. So that would be another area where if you're treating a person who has a voice disorder, um, there are things that are clear for both individuals, male and female, but there are also differences in pitch and there are differences in resonance and all of those things. So. That's what I mean by when, when you ask the question about the differences mm-hmm. um, between, you know, pediatrics and adults at another uh, level. Which, you know, all of this sounds like, what? Because, you know, in our community, I think the farthest we go with language, we'd be talking about you speak abonics or not. <laughs> like we don't really deal with the, the intricacy of taking care of this area, taking care of the voice, and I am sure, and this leads to my next question, um, I am sure it's just a litany of problems in our community when it comes to speech. And my next question was really going to be about racially, what do you find? Because I've seen your, a variety of, parent, of, of your patients, and are you finding any similarities in any particular race, 
Um, is it different? Is it not different? You know, they always say, we all got blood, you know. But do you find a difference, uh, what the what the disabilities might be or the impairments might be? Because some of this, to me, is it is it uh, the way you're brought up? Is it stress? Is it is it what? You know, and do you, so what do you find racially, if anything, with your clients? Like, is there more of this in the black community or whatever? Um, I would say, I wouldn't say that I particularly find a difference racially. Um, but there's information that looks at, for example, when you look at strokes or um, that, or strokes would be, that's a brain injury, right, that can happen uh, when a person usually has some kind of loss of oxygen to the brain, you can have a stroke, right? And so there is information that shows that African Americans have a high level of strokes when you um, look at the general population or other uh, racial groups that African Americans and um, I believe in Hispanic population also have higher levels of stroke. Okay. So therefore they can have higher levels of a communication impairment, which leads to something called aphasia, which is um, the difficulty of speech. So because they have a high level in stroke, you can see that. that um, so what has that meant for me as an individual? Not much in that, you know, when you have an individual in front of you, you're going to uh, follow the same course uh, of treatment based on and customized to that individual, okay. their background and what their needs are. Um, but I would say where you can see a difference, I think, depends more on the, the, demo, the geographical demo, mm. demographics. So what do I mean by that? Um, if you're working in a certain school community, I've worked in schools. So if you're working in a certain community, pardon me, that um, may have, I think it's, I see a cross difference between race and also a cross difference in terms of class and economic differences. So based on what communities you're working in, um, let's say um, a person or their parents' understanding or education about communication problems, that has more of a difference. Um, I don't know if you, do you understand that or does that sound? No, it makes sense. Yeah, it all makes sense. And I put a, I put a, a definition of aphasia at the bottom. Don't get it twisted. Now. I should have put on my fan. No, you it's all right, girl. This is this media. This is good. This is good. So, but yeah, she mentioned the word aphasia, which is going to lead into um, my next question about. I've seen, I've worked with you a little bit, and you know, when you presented here in Chicago at conferences, and this word aphasia comes up. I did not hear that word before you, right? So, you guys, aphasia, as you can see at the bottom there, um, and I got this from one of your websites. It's caused by injury to the brain because we talked about strokes, right? But um, but they can come, yeah, it can come from having a stroke, surgery, infection, neurological diseases, all of that. Um, and then also, to just give you clarity on what it is, um, it's an impairment of a previously held ability. So a person used to have an ability, but then they end up having this impairment. And so talk a little bit about your work with aphasia specifically. Like, what is that? What is that about? Okay, so, yeah, thank you for uh, providing the, the information about aphasia. It is um, a, a little-known, um, how can I say it, a little-known disorder. So there's even been research that's shown that a lot of people have not even heard the word, 
But where people experience it is um, a lot of people know about the word stroke. And I'll say, oh, you know, my uncle had a stroke and he didn't, he, he stopped speaking or when he spoke, his speech were slurred and no one can understand him. So many people understand what a savior is based on their experience with people. They admit, like, as usual, they probably just don't know the actual word. Mm. Um, so, I mean, as for me, I um, aphasia was one of the disorders that I had to learn and get training on and apply, you know, when I had clinical training in school, I had um, patients who had aphasia. And that was my extent of what I thought I would deal with um, in addition to seeing uh, people in the hospitals or what have you. But then I certainly, um, I didn't realize that I would um, have a personal um, interest in it and that I would end up being really intrigued by how I can help people to be better um, mm. and just start communicating better. And that became, it was a surprise to me that that's something I became really, really interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what I love, and we're going to talk about it in depth in a minute, one thing I love is that, so um, I'm a Scientologist. You know, we rock with Scientology. And one of the things that L. Ron Hubbard said is, if you see a problem, look at what you didn't do and know why it's a problem, right? Oh, oh, oh boom, boom, boom. So what I love is that here you have this topic. Here you have aphasia. Here you have let – let me just rewind a little bit because I need to understand – how this little girl from Harlem, like me, where does it even come from? Like, how did you even get into this this industry? Um, yeah, where did it come from? Uh, actually, it wasn't on my radar. I was interested in um, possibly teaching, and I was always interested in um, research. I went to liberal arts college, and the, my first interest was in being a professor and going into teaching on a college level. Mm-hmm. And I did a few programs that uh, would have helped me to do that. And uh, then I started to just become really interested in people and the problems of people. Mm-hmm. And as a person who um, grew up, you know, I grew up in Harlem, and I was um, fortunate and um, really special that I had a mother who, uh, at the time, I didn't understand what it would be, but much, much of her life was the time that I, you know, that I experienced her uh, because I also had other siblings. But she was, she worked very hard as many other people did, but she was also involved in the betterment of people's lives. And so I just saw that as an example. And recently, I was talking about my why behind WordStem, meaning um, my why behind the work that I do for aphasia. And I didn't, I realized that it came directly from um, from my mother and what she nurtured in me, which is to help people, but to, you have to go beyond just what you see in a circumstance and you have to believe in what's possible. Mm-hmm. And what's possible is not always what's in front of you. So I started to see a lot of individuals who had difficulty with speech and language, and I would use what I was uh, taught to use and, you know, lots of tools that 
did help in many ways. But I also would meet individuals who many years later, they were not speaking, and I, be, I had this feeling that um, I wanted to help them, and I wanted them to overcome that barrier. And so um, I became really interested in, in aphasia, and that's what I, you know, began to um, work on. So now check this out because we see this book. I need, I'm going to try to make it bigger. You just talked about tools, right? And did the book come – because I'm going to get to words in a minute because you mentioned it, but did you, you created this book before that, right? Yeah, words. Yes, talk about buzzwords a little bit. Yeah. So buzzwords is – and the creation of that is in line with what I was just telling you. And um, buzzwords come directly from my experience working with young children. And my early on experience in speech and language pathology and in helping individuals was in working with very young children, even newborn babies. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to see for myself what language development looked like and what speech development looked like. And there were a couple of gaps and a couple of opportunities that I wanted to to use to help on a very basic level to help parents and to help little kids um, who may be experiencing issues of speech. And this is a book about empowering individuals but also building um, compassion around the area of, of children having trouble because some children are bullied because they have difficulty speaking. Some very young children are unable to even play with other kids because they cannot speak. And because they cannot communicate, other children can see that. Mm-hmm. These other children, they're young. They don't know speech pathology. They don't know what the names of impairments are. But they can actually perceived as young children that another child is having trouble communicating, Mm -hmm. and that can create a barrier for that child who has trouble speaking. Mm -hmm. And so what Buzzwords is, is just a really simple, fun story that also is a tool because it has um, exercises for speech, and it has a direction that parents can utilize just for some very basic level parents and even uh, daycare workers or um, child care agency teachers and uh, consultants. They can use this to, to work with children. What's the, where can they get buzzwords? Should they just go to Amazon? Is there a website for buzzwords that you want yeah, them to go to? they can find it on Amazon, actually. Okay, so just put in buzzwords and your name, Ayana Webb, yeah. in Amazon, and that's where you find it. All yeah. right, so y'all heard that. Um, I love that you developed this tool because pe- people need that. But you can't be everywhere. And so writing a book is one of the reasons why we even do this show. When you write a book, it can travel. It can take what you've taught to other places, and people can duplicate what you created. And so I remember um, when when this came out, and I was so happy she even came to one of our book fairs. Yeah, 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 to uh, sell it here in Chicago. But I just love that. Um, you Would you say that primarily parents utilize this or practitioners utilize this book? Who have you found, you know, focus on using this book and in in what they do with children? In my experience, definitely parents. 
out okay. half because most of, you know, I work from a point of where's the access mm. and where is the drive and typically parents or grandparents and, and very often child care educators, they tend to have the drive to say, hey, you know, I have this child over here who um, this child may not have speech and language uh, services and to be honest, it's very often that people do not have access to services for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to have tools that anyone can use. So in my experience, like when I've done fairs and when I've spoken to individuals, typically parents who have have utilized it, but it's very user-friendly for um, really anyone. Okay. So there's so many layers to this, and I see some people are commenting on YouTube. I want you, if you want to call in, please do. Um, the number is at the bottom of the screen, 727-731-5192. If you have questions, like I said, you might have people in your family that's impairment or that you never knew, like who would even think that swallowing is an issue or it's important, right? That like we just, in our, I know in our community a lot of times we just go, oh, that's just how the person is without checking it out, getting it handled. We think we can't, like you said, we think we don't have access. We don't know how to get access. But today that's what this is about. There is a solution, and it's this lady right here. So we're going to talk about um, what she's contributed to this industry that, oh, oh, it just, you see her shirt? It's a word stem. In the background, you see that uh that placard that says a word stem. So after this commercial break, we are going to take a look at her contribution to the speech pathology world in a way that it, they can't even t- can't touch this. Don't have me get MC Hammer up in here. You can't touch the way that she's taking it, the level that she's taking it. So after this commercial break, we're going to come right back and we're going to experience what she's invented. We talk about invention levels. So stay tuned. Let's take a look at these few messages. Chicago Book Fair, Michelle Renee, powerful sister. She has a book called The Enemy Within. It's about, yeah, sometimes you get abused physically, but that verbal abuse, many times people take that on and start to believe it. So 
There we go, my girl, Michelle. Thank you for being a member, and we also support what you do. So, my darling, let us talk about, um, I was going to say gathering at a grill. <laughs> let us talk about WordStem. Now, you guys, WordStem is a powerhouse of a tool, and it's so many notches. Like, you wrote the book, Buzzwords, but, boy, did you take this up a notch and notches when you develop this. Tell us a little bit about WordStem. Sorry. Okay. Oh, can you hear me, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so uh, WordStem began as, you know, it wasn't WordStem when it started, but um, essentially I had a patient who kept running out of insurance, and she would come to see me as an outpatient at a hospital, and she was a woman who had a stroke. Before she had a stroke, she was working in the, um, I would say, like, law, law enforcement area, and she had a really wonderful life. She liked to read books. She, you know, socialized a lot. She enjoyed her life, and a stroke changed everything for her, not only physically, but she lost her speech. So when I met her, she had come for speech therapy services in order to be able to speak again. So, for example, she would have an idea in her head, and she couldn't get the word out. And um, so basically she was unable to, you know, express her needs. And so I worked with her, but she, the um, insurance, the, pardon me, the speech therapy is funded by insurance because speech therapy is very expensive. So most individuals cannot come out of their pocket and pay for, you know, a session of speech therapy or multiple sessions very easily. However, as we know with insurance, um, it's managed and you have limits. But when a person has a severe or really, really um, bad or difficult level of a problem like she did, she needs a lot of sessions. And what would happen is she had a certain amount that she can get every year. She would use as much as she did would run out, and she still she was able, she made progress, but she was not able to make the progress that she needed before the insurance ran out. And what started with that is because I had worked with her, I decided that um, I wanted to create something that she can use at home. She had a supportive family, and I created something for them to utilize to work with her so that once her session ended, she was able to still work on her speech. Language. That is the beginning of WordStem, mm-hmm. and um, just really quickly, I they loved it. I developed it more. I utilized, you know, my training, my experience, and I had many, many cases of aphasia uh, that I had seen in uh, one of New Jersey's premier trauma hospitals. I researched again, and I developed it for the use with speech language pathologist in the clinic. And I also developed a brand for families. And I was fortunate to actually get a patent from the, the United States um, Patent Office, which I'm, I'm very proud of. Yes. And um, so right now it's um, something that many clinicians use, and I also use it for clinical education with other speech language pathologists. And uh, so that's them. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to give you all a visual, and then we do have a caller. 
but I want to give you all sort of a visual because, you know, you can know and then you can, but you, just to see it is a little different. So I'm just going to play this quick video so you can get a, a feel for it. about nobody creating games. We're going to come to that in a minute. Let's take the caller. Caller 334-727, you're on air. Say your name and where you're from. Oh, well, praise God and good morning. Good morning. 334-727, you're on air. Oh, yes, praise God and good morning. If they're not coming, we going to keep going. All right, so you all saw words them. You saw it. Hold on one second. Is the caller there? Unmute. Hello? Yes, caller. Yes, hello? Hello? We ain't going to be waiting on this show for no call. You guys to come on in when I say. So talk a little bit about, y'all see the pieces of WordStem. And this is what you all can do. Um, you see the website, wordspin.com, that's at the bottom, right? But if you want to call in and ask questions like, whoa, you saw those people playing games, you saw a child, you saw her with patience, and it's actual pieces aboard. This is not some little kukulala thing. This is an actual thing. People can purchase WordStem, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And this is the – the interest has been from other speech therapists, the speech language pathologists, because uh, that's where my my marketing and my attention has been into uh, education with other therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, we have not, we have done some, how can I say it, um, not give out, but I've had some personal, some friends, and people who I've known who have been dealing with aphasia for, for whom I've given, like, the family and words to kids, too. And that was, like, you know, for their personal use. But certainly by April, we're going to start having more availability to families because mm-hmm. I need a lot of families. Um, I work in nursing homes, for example, uh, for example, and I've seen a lot of families who – you know, have an interest in once their loved ones go go home, they want to be able to continue the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's definitely available for uh, clinicians to utilize with their patients, um, adults. And we also have developed uh, words in, in English and in Spanish as well. So if we have Spanish-speaking patients, they're able to um, have materials that, that they can utilize to improve their communication. Mm. So the cards, what are the different parts of the word stem game? What are, what are the pieces that people need? It's not just, oh, here's some flashcards. What, what, what are the pieces? So there's the clinical version and it is the, the family version. And what they both do is they're, 
they utilize categories, like words, something, well, colors, something that's very, very common to anyone, right? For the time that we're kids, that is something that is really defining, which is colors. So mm-hmm. what is created is a catalog of words and concepts, okay. right, that the person will engage with. So let's say, for example, with the, the simple word stem, the one that speech language pathologists use, mm-hmm. they are able to use what we call the aphasia specialty deck. Okay. And the aphasia specialty deck has the cards that you see here on the, the screen. Mm-hmm. That contains the cards that have been developed by, that I developed over a span of years. And when I say develop, I didn't develop words, right? Words are available to everyone. Mm-hmm. But I did carefully choose words based on the outcome that we want for the patient. So what word or what concept did I want to trigger um, for the patient to utilize to bring out more speech? And mm-hmm. so the cards will, the colors will categorize the area of of the language that we're looking at. So are we looking at the um, senses, so taste? Are we looking at um, words that have to deal with um, where things are, where they're located? Um, so it's really what I did is I created a way in which to intersect or to integrate specific concepts with Partly specific words with specific concepts. Okay. So, um, I don't know if I was really, really clear on that. But basically, the colors just denote, they're just a way of organizing how the patient is going to talk about, or pardon me, how the person is going to talk about some level of language. Got you. See, it's so the mind it takes to create something on that level. Who understands that? I really, I kind of want you to articulate because you're saying I made the cards to do the with that, but there had to be, what was missing when you were dealing with patients? Something had to be missing for you to create the game, for you to say they can, uh, they can understand a little better if, if this happened, if I created this. So what was missing to help you create Wordstone? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, you know something, it's so interesting because, um, you know, sometimes it feels like you have to be outside of yourself, and I think this is with anyone, right? Sometimes you have to kind of be outside of yourself to try to be objective and look at what moves you to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm going to be quite honest. So in terms of what was missing, I felt that there was something, um, and I wouldn't say missing because I do think that many people go into the field and, and they're interested in language and improving the language of kids and adults because they care and it's something that they really care about, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not a specialty with me. Um, but what was missing, in my opinion, was more – I wanted more drive. I wanted – um, to see a person who, if they had a problem, I want to feel that we've done everything we could as speech language pathologists, you know, on the field, on the ground level, um, with that person as much as we could. And so I do, I've used a lot of the standards, and I still do, 
standard treatments that, that are out there with speech therapy. So, um, you know, there are a number of different tools, whether it's like you, you're going to use flashcards for a bigger purpose because the material that you have is one thing, right? Those cards are one thing. But the, what it, the thing is where are we going and where are we trying to clinically chaperone that patient? Mm-hmm. That is the other thing. And so when you talk about what's missing, a lot of it just has a lot to do with, um, I would say, one, some fundamentals. Um, and I, I don't want to deviate too much, so help me if, you, if I'm going to. No, you this. roll, you roll, you roll. It's you, it's you. <laughs> so I, I've had, I really love teaching, I found. So where I've gotten at is I supervise um, students who are students of speech pathology, and I also supervise a lot of new clinicians. And I've been, I was really, really blessed with one of my externships. I was in one of the premier traumatic hospitals in New Jersey, and I saw so many things. I saw a lot of people have brain injuries, and at that time, I was just a student. I was learning. Uh, but so much of that came back to me in the, de- in the development of this. And my fundamentals, I'm really thankful for a wonderful graduate program at Moffitt State University and uh, professors and great clinicians. And uh, one of my supervisors was Linda Tucker, who uh, went on to become, she named one of New New Jersey Speech and Hearing Associations. I think um, one of the few of her black presidents, and she was an amazing mentor. Mm -hmm. And she really demanded excellence. when I was supervising. And I think that what is very important in any field is you have to approach what you're doing, understanding what the fundamentals are. The thing that happens with aphasia is it, is, it can be really complex because language is everything that you really almost have in your mind and your body from the time you're, you're young. What does that look like when it has, when it's been impaired? Well, it's not only what it is in a book, but it, it is what it is for that person. And when you would say what's missing, I think what I found to be missing is have we done everything that we can do as clinicians mm-hmm. to help that person reaccess or reorganize uh, their their access to language? Yeah. And I wanted to create a tool that can do that for a person who has what we call severe or moderate or mild aphasia, meaning severe, meaning a person who's barely speaking. And because I've worked with new clinicians and new graduates, I've been able to see uh, what they're doing as soon as they get out of the university. They should be teaching me, and I like to learn something new, especially the young the new uh, graduates, they're great. They're great with equipment and digital and computers, and I love to learn, and they do teach me. But I do think that we still have to focus on fundamentals, and I get to do that with a lot of the new graduates. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a need for in a space for, for something like WordStem so that anyone, even with a severe uh, level of aphasia, has access to the treatment and that they have access to respond to what the clinician is telling them before we say it's too late, they'll never speak again. Mm. And I've seen people who have not 
spoken for years. I've seen them reaccess and reorganize the damaged um, brain to access a word. And um, I think what's missing is that we have to just keep moving and go further in a clinical setting, not only research, because mm-hmm. there's more and more research. But when that person is in front of you and across from you, that is a real human being that mm-hmm. has a story. Mm-hmm. And um, I want us to try as much as we can. And so for me, I, I created WordSend because I wanted to make sure that that was happening. You, so you're talking about when you say, you know, these people have a story behind all of this, as you mentioned with the lady who was a cop and, you know, she was reading books and then all of a sudden this happened and then she could not speak. And I'm telling you right now, when you lose a sense, you, I had a stroke. Fortunately, it wasn't heavily detrimental. But when you lose a sense, I can see where you could go, cuckoo birds, because you cannot express yourself fully or you you have to limit what you're used to in terms of how you communicate. And so this is, this is a layer of that that people are just not aware of. Imagine you could speak and then you can't, mm-hmm. and you cannot get out your word, and it's so heavy. Um, what I love a lot of times when we speak are your success stories. You don't even, you're not even telling me to tell me success stories, but they are success stories, and I want you to share an instance or two of where you've seen word stem do its thing, undeniable. You know, what have you seen? Where have you seen it work its best? Okay, I would say, boy, one of the first times, and this is even before the patent came, came through, and I was like just trying it. Well, I would say one example is when I was working at a place where there were two other speech pathologists, and they would come to me when I just had my sample kit, and they would say, can I use Birkin? And they would want to borrow it and use it with their patients, and that meant a lot to me. It meant that they felt that they were successful with it. Uh, so I, I have that type of success. I have uh, at least one example where there was a, a patient who was, um, she was actually in uh, what we would call subacute. That's the place where you would go after you leave the hospital so that you can work on rehabilitation, usually a, you know, physical movement or, you know, speaking language. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a therapist, and the therapist was thinking that this patient was unable to verbalize. And so I basically encouraged the therapist to utilize the triwurstin with her. And then the next day, she sent me a text message, and she was, the therapist was written in a text message, like, wow, you know, this person said these particular things, and I actually didn't know that she had that in her. Mm. And uh, so that's, that's a great example because it means that it's not me actually utilizing it, that it's a whole other person using a system and using a technique. So I would say that that was one. And I would say that one of the most amazing um, examples I have, it may be on the WordSim website, but it was with an individual who I was asked to see um, for uh, speech therapy. When I approached this person who was in a, she was at this point in long-term nursing, she actually had not only lost the ability to 
to speak, but she lost the ability to understand words. So if you give her directions, she was unable to to follow them. So if you said, for example, touch your nose or blink your eyes, she didn't understand those words because her brain was so badly damaged by the mm-hmm. stroke. Okay. In any case, um, I did have to work with her on that, and she did improve understanding. And mm. then I moved her up to speech because what's, what's, part, what's fundamental is if you have poor understanding, it, understanding really comes first before expression. Okay. So once I helped her with that, I utilized the uh, Sorry, Adam. 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 Go ahead. I'm sorry. People are calling me. Go ahead. I utilized words then to help her verbalize. So what I found out after she began to speak is that about 14 years ago, she was actually entered into that nursing home. And I just thought she had only been there about three years. Okay. And I was shocked that she was able to retrieve speech, mm. being chronic, meaning for so long. I didn't even know when I was working with her how long it had been. And that, for me, was a big motivator, and it changed everything for me uh, that, you know, people can recover speech. And uh, it was just so emotional for me and amazing. I'll never forget it. Mm. So mm. Don't start crying. I'll be, look, I'll be having my tissue wet. <laughs> look, look, I'll be like, oh, God. <laughs> 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 but, I mean, y'all, she'll be telling me so many success stories that, it's just very important because it's an area you don't really think about. You don't really think about, you know, that this can be a cure. And a lot and a lot of things in the medical industry, that curing is not the thing. So we're not going to make any claims like, I'll cure you. But these success stories are what they are and the fact that people can be better. If you know someone that has a speech impairment, you guys, or if you're struggling with one, Give us a call if you're able or type in the chat, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook. We'll actually see your comments, put them up, and we can help ask some questions while we have a specialist here. Definitely ask some questions because this is something I thought it was so important to have you because you've developed tools that we can use to repair that. Like that lady who used to read books, does she still do it? Does she not? You know, and, and can she, does she feel confident? And so the rehabilitation of whatever it takes to in, re-instill that in someone is important. Um, uh, put this down here. So here's the deal. We have WordStem, and I want to share another one of your videos to just let people um, see the effects of the work that you're doing. Hold on. I'm going to put that on so that they can get a glimpse. She got so much stuff, girl. Y'all was like, "Oh Lord, I want to show that." So we do have a caller. Um, caller at, let me see what that call is. It's a 973 number, 973-932. You're on the air. Hi, how are you? 
I'm wonderful. What's your name? Oh, sorry, girl. What's your name? Uh, my name is Chardonnay Carter. Hi. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you calling in. Thank you. Um, I was actually, um, I was a clinical fellow, and um, Ayanna was my supervisor, um, and I got to work with her and actually see, like, words them in action um, as, like, a new SLP. And it was it was very phenomenal, very, like, amazing to watch uh, my patient's progress using this program that Ayanna developed. Wow. Describe that. What do you mean by progress? How, what did you see? So the patient, uh, one specific patient that um, I, like, vividly remember, she had a, like, severe aphasia. Um, family was very, you know, concerned, but, you know, of course, um, as with all patients, want them to, you know, be more communicative um, and try to restore some of that function that they once had. Um, and this patient, she was verbal, but, like, very minimally. Um, Ayana came in. She brought WordStim in um, to the session and was just able to elicit so much language from this patient. And especially um, what I found interesting, it, it was really things that that were interesting to the patient. Like it was very personal for the patient. Um, even the patient was seemed pretty amazed at what she was able to do um, using this program. Wow. You, what does the family say? Like you got the family coming, bringing somebody in, and it's like, oh, my God, we don't know what to do. But what did they have to say? The family was, of course, um, just being able to hear their family member, you know, use words that they hadn't used in such a long time. They were very impressed, um, very hopeful, right? Like um, I think seeing those things gives the family, like especially after so long, um, a renewed mm-hmm. sense of hope for their family members. And just seeing that progress, I'm sure that they were proud um, of what was able to be done. I was super impressed um, with WordSim. I, I thought it was just an amazing program, and I can see, you know, its efficacy across populations. Mm. What would you like to see for the future of WordSim? Um, I just wanted I, – I would love to see more SLPs using it. You know, I think it's just such um, a phenomenal tool that if we, you know, just implemented it in more settings and made it, you know, as – um, popular, or I don't know, popular is maybe not the right word, but as, you know, as widely used, you know, as some other mm-hmm. tools that we had, yeah. Um, right. I, I could see how we could definitely, you know, impact the patients and the clients that we serve. Yeah, I want, look, I told her, I said, girl, your thing is revolutionizing the industry. It really she is. Like, modest. Right. She looks <laughs> modest. She's like, girl, you got left. Uh-uh. Revolutionizing, like it's a wrap, 2024 and more. So I do Absolutely. thank you for calling in because it's, it helps. It, it, you know, people can hear the person who made it say something, but when you hear other people start to articulate right. what they've seen with their own eyes, that makes all the difference in the world. So it's thank you for really calling in. I appreciate you. Yes, Not a problem. You. Go ahead. You heard that, Yana? Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. No problem. No problem. That's, All right. That's right. Amazing. Thank you. So, yeah, you know, guys, it's not many things that people do in life that you hear that, that you hear they change, like it changed a person's life. It made their family, like, 
like it's like they reversed. They she reverses an impairment to where now they're speaking again, and that's just very powerful. So when we come back, we're going to talk about this some more. We're going to take a commercial break, but where's this going? What's the vision for words them going forward? We'll come back and look at that specifically. Y'all know I'll be taking a long time. Hold on. Hold on, y'all. Y'all know I got it planned. Hold on, y'all. People are using the internet to talk to everybody. Friends, neighbors, family members, coworkers. 
I'm starting that over. Hi, I'm Naomi and if you're watching this, that means you're one of the 4.6 billion people from around the world who are using an electronic device to talk to people. In these times, people are using the internet to talk to everybody. Friends, neighbors, family members, co-workers. People are on their cell phones and computers all day long. Now, if you're in business, that is great news. That means you can sell your products and services all day long and never have to leave your home. All you need is a media connection, somebody to connect you to an audience. And that's why I'm talking to you today. We produce programs, and our audience members are people who shop. They buy clothes, food, beauty supplies, cleaning supplies, home repair, transportation services, Child care services, whatever you're selling, they need to buy it. We're your media connection. Just follow this link, and tomorrow you can sit back and relax at home while your business is making you money. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to those few messages. We're back with Ayana Webb, my homie from back in the day. Um, I love what we've evolved into. I'm extremely, um, when I see Ayana's work, I just, I probably promote her stronger than she even knows. I'd be like, you are a superstar. You are, you know, and it's not even, you know, fake, but I'm being serious about the revolutionizing of the the industry of speech pathology. Now, you have something called tip-top speech. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so tip-top speech is my company. And then uh, tip-top, what we do is we focus on uh, clinical training. So we consult with other speech-language pathologists. Our goal is to contribute to the improvement of the aphasia outcomes and speech and language outcomes. We also train new clinicians, and that is in the area of treating patients with uh, communication disorders as well as swallowing impairment. And uh, we produce uh, courses for other clinicians, and we also produce um, products and, you know, tools that can help the lay community, um, parents, uh, educators, as well as other clinicians. Now, when when did you you started that before WordStem, or was it what is is it what WordStem grew out of, or why did you what was that whole concept? How did it help you build what you have today? Yeah, I mean, TikTok speech really is an umbrella for uh, much of our activities in the area of education, in the area of publishing and uh, publication. Uh, creative publication okay. uh, that have to do with um, exploring the, the areas and issues of communication sciences and disorders or mm-hmm. communication disorders. Um, so it's pretty much an umbrella for all of our activities mm-hmm. so that, um, and then for business reasons, in order to communicate and to move as a business conglomerate, mm-hmm. we have TikTok Speech LLC. Mm-hmm. But it really is just something that's just brings in together all of our activities. Okay, tip-top speech, because, see, I've, I've, 
walking this journey with you, I've seen the evolution of so much. I remember, um, can't they buy the cards for some separate or something? Aren't there some uh, cards that can be used? Um, you know, yeah, it's just everything. I know everything, but, yeah, talk about that. So in terms of the our publication, we you may be thinking about our web. We have, like, our web word card, and that is actually something that is for verbal alpha in the speech and word vocabulary development, vocabulary development for children. So those are the, the web flashcards. Mm, okay. You're, you're talking about. Yeah. And um, the other thing is WordSpin. WordSpin is available for other speech language pathologists. And then we have buzzwords. So we have our other upcoming publications, which is um, which will be uh, a book regarding um, for other clinicians on how to work with individuals who have uh, aphasia or other language and impairment. So that's another publication that we'll soon have. Okay. But as, as far as yeah, as far as the, the cards, that one is like a pediatric product. Okay. Uh, that is it now for people to get all of these products? Should they go to the WordSTEM website or the TikTok Speech website or either? Which one? So WordSTEM, I would say TikTok Speech because oh, okay. um, WordSTEM, I would say clinicians or other therapists should go to WordSTEM, and that one is really developed um, more so for them. And other individuals can go to our TikTok Speech, uh, TikTok, and that website will contain really all of our products and particularly more of our uh, speech products for children. Okay. I want to show um, a video from TikTok speech because I thought it was very good. Let's see if Asada can do it. <laughs> Hold on, y'all. Let me get this TikTok speech um, video because I think it's so important. And let me get to it and let me play it for you. Hold on. <laughs> Okay, so, I mean, do y'all see what I'm saying? This is not a small thing. This is not a person who just said, I'm going to go and have a job and help people with speech, but actually develop tools to do so. So let me ask a question because I looked at the little baby. Would you say that, like, your cards could be used by parents, whether there's an impairment or not? Because, you know, babies have to evolve into speaking, and they're going to learn sentences, and they're going to, just learn from watching parents, but would you say as a parent, I wish I could use it when my daughter's 20, Mm-mm-mm-mm. but as a parent of a very young child, could they get those cards and develop language skills? You're on mute. Sorry about that. Yeah, that is, um, so in the case that you saw in, in the video, mm-hmm. um, you saw there was a, a child and a mom. Uh, boy, sometimes I get really, I start thinking about, you know, because the people that I meet, I, 
I use the word patients and they're individuals, they're, they're, they're people, and I right. know you know this, but they all have this story behind them. So often what will turn into a speech problem could be simply that could be, that language was not encouraged or nurtured early on. And even though we should automatically develop language and we're hardwired to develop language, the, the problem is that if you have a child and they're in like a language-deprived environment, language-deprived means uh, they're, they're, they may be in an environment where they, their language is not being stimulated, um, and that could be that they're not able to explore their surroundings their immediate surroundings, um, and then maybe have that coupled with an, an adult or an older person using words with them. And those are the things that will further develop language. So what happens is, unfortunately, and we see this a lot with black children, that um, the vocabulary development of black children is typically very, very uh, under, underdeveloped mm-hmm. um, by the, even by the age of three. And so this can carry on into schooling, and it is one of the reasons why uh, black children tend to be the biggest population in special education. And mm-hmm. when you look at what is the area of special education, um, it is um, language learning disability. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this starts very early on, and it's not necessarily that it's a speech problem. Why um, that encouraged the, the cards, and it's not about the cards, but it's about the uh, development of the parent-child dyad and coupling um, in order to uh, improve and stimulate of the language environment at home. What dyad, dy, dyadic coupling, you better define that, even though I know it's a simple book for the audience. Yeah, so basically like the two-way uh, communication relationship. So instead of a child by him or herself, um, you have a two-way connection or coupling. So you have parent and child, mother and child, father and child, um, caregiver and child together, uh, creating language and working together, playing with each other, talking about things, whether it's in the car, in the grocery store, and, you know, it's a natural environment, but just basically having more language being shared in, in a form of words, making comments about uh things that are happening, whether you're driving by, um, driving on the road, or whether you're in the physical market or to grandma's house. But um, so when I talk about dyad, I mean like just a kind of paired relationship. Okay, cool. What would you say you've seen, we're not going to give no names, but what would you say you've seen that makes word stem so important? Like seen because some some doctor maybe had a gross negligence or sometimes people just don't know. Sometimes people are not connected to the patients. You have an innate desire to make the situation better, but everybody doesn't have that. Some people just go to work and they do what they saw. Are, are there uh, examples that you've seen that made you say, Dad, you know, WordStem is so needed in this environment because, see, that ends up affecting the patient, whether it's their self-esteem, whether it's um, the family feeling hopeless because they're getting such, for lack of a better word, bad treatment or 
you know, the lack in treatment? Are there examples of things that you've seen that's like, this has to end? Uh, let's see. I would just say that um, there are times when I've seen patients who, you know, they have a communication disorder. Maybe, maybe they've had a stroke, for example, and they do have aphasia. And I've done a lot of coverage work, so I've worked in many different settings, and I've worked at many, many different facilities. So I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of patients. Um, as a result, I've been able to, and it's not that I go in to do any particular type of audit. I'm just going to give services to a person. And so it always comes down to fundamentals, and it comes down to, um, you know, what is best practices, what are you supposed to do. And regardless of what particular role you may have or job, there's always a what you should do mm-hmm. and what is best practices, what is the right way of doing things. And then and simply, and that's, so that's outside of me, right? Like many people have done the work way before me. They've done the training way before me, and there's been, there have been things that have been developed, right? So if I go and see a patient and I notice, okay, or see this person has aphasia, I'm now going to interact with, I, I read notebooks, the notes, and I read the history of that patient so I can understand them, and then I interact with them. And I would say based on this, particular thing that I'm I'm observing, there's a way to treat that, right? Mm -hmm. So I think what's important is that that is the road that uh, we should walk on. So when the question that you asked, I would say the basic thing is I'm really into fundamentals. So if a person is being seen for this disorder, I want three, whether it's full or treating that patient. We should all be engaged in best practices. We should all um, be able to, even though everyone's different in terms of, every clinician is different in terms of their approach, um, there should be a basic understanding of what is the problem with that patient and how to proceed. And um, I think that um, we have to do more treatment that is utilizing that. I'm not sure if, this, if I was clear with that. Yeah, definitely. You're being nice because I wanted you to really, you know, I get to hear, you know, some things that are, and I don't want you to you know, tell on nobody, but, but there are things that I think that, that patients and their families need to be able to identify that to know that shouldn't be happening, right? I'm going to just read this real quick because the sister said, Grand Rising Sisters, this is amazing information to improve our family and communities, keep sharing and growing. Thank you, Viata. We love you for that. Thank you. Um, Thank you for for commenting. Yeah, no doubt. So, But my thing is, you know, there are just some things that are negligent, that people, when you're in the hospital, sometimes you know this should not be happening, but you don't know what to say, do. You don't know what better to ask for. And so, yeah, they're in the hospital, what? What is the negligence? What does that look like? Okay. So this is a really big topic um, because many people 
you're going to interact with the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So on top of all of this is that uh, we have to do better, all of us, if you're involved in healthcare particularly, we have to do better at um, the healthcare that we give. That's not, I'm not, I'm not talking about the insurance, I'm not talking about the equipment, but uh, about the work that each individual person does in healthcare, right? And that we have to give better healthcare, period. Like each particular person uh, has to give better care. Mm-hmm. And we have to move towards that. Like, so I would say one facility at a time. Um, I've been in many uh, healthcare facilities, hospitals, long-term nursing, substitute. I've done home care. I've, I've been in a lot of, of situations. And for me, I think that um, so in terms of families and what you should know is I think that if a person goes into the healthcare facility, you're going to do that when you have people like the family members that are able to visit you, able to see the facility, and able to see with eyes and ears uh, what type of care is being given. Uh, I think that I've been in situations where uh, I would say the best outcome is when the teens in a hospital, meaning the people who are doing the different positions, really work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you have to have a hospital where it's established that, um, you know, people work together uh, and that um, there's a good environment created for the people that work there. And um, But what yeah. does that look like? Not to cut your comp. Because we know your quality, but if a person has a relative or whatever in the hospital that has a speech problem, like what are some of the basic things that should be done that sometimes is not done? You know what I'm saying? Like they come in there, they look at a person, they write it on the chart, blah, blah, blah. But you, when I listen to you, your thing is thorough. Like you are thoroughly, you can't believe they didn't do this, they didn't do this, or whatever. What is, I want the patient, you know, this is like patients being able to stick up for themselves or families being able to stick up for themselves and, and say, did you do this? Did you do that? You know, because you're one person. But what, what, what does that look like so they know to ask, wait a minute, did you do, you know, what does that look like? What should they do um, and not so that the, the, they're empowered, the patient and their family is empowered? Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> so, I, boy, what should we do? Okay, so definitely the, care, the caregivers or families being mm-hmm. educated about what's happening to the patient. So the first thing is this, and I would say this is not only with patients that I've seen, but stories that I've had from other friends. Um, one is what's happening with quote-unquote diagnosis, and that's the first thing is, when a person goes into the hospital, right, the thing is to figure out what, why that person is experiencing whatever it is. So you have the person either coming in with complaints or you have their family saying, this is what we saw, the, the person fell, or, they, or this started to happen. So those are just symptoms. And the first thing that has to happen is you have to have a hospital staff that's devoted to really getting into the quote-unquote diagnosis. So how do you do that? That is making sure that, you know, tests are run, 
um, imaging. Imaging could be the CAT scan. So let's say if you say that is a CAT scan and you have an MRI. I did have a person whose um, mother went into the hospital, and she called, she texted me and said, oh, that her mother was in a hospital and she thinks she had a stroke. They were going to release the patient, and I said, you have to make sure that the diagnosis is thorough. They originally said she did not have a stroke, but it wasn't until they get the MRI. That is something that happens very often. And I've been in situations where the family didn't know um, that what was happening, and it's been other staff who said to either the doctor, we, you have to have an MRI. I've seen this quite frequently. And so that's an issue of diagnosis, right? So when you don't go far in diagnosis, and I know you know this personally, what happens is the person is passed on and the real problem is not understood. And mm. that's not a good thing at all because now you're not getting treatment for that problem. And I think that's one of the fundamental places where um, hospitalization and health care could be really problematic depending on, you know, where this stuff is taking place. A hundred percent. Let me tell y'all, when I had my stroke, yo, they did not do the testing. I was in the hospital with them talking about they didn't know. They thought it might. I said, I don't know if this is vertigo. Then they're they going to give me a stack of papers describing vertigo and send me home, yo. They didn't do no testing. And it wasn't until I kept vomiting every day. They couldn't explain it. My equilibrium was off. And it wasn't until they were like, let's give her a CAT scan or whatever, that they found, oh, she had a stroke. Yo, I went through unnecessary, who knows, it could have been prevented had they diagnosed that I had a stroke. But it was a long time. I went from a different hospital, different house. My family was just so not understanding what was going on. So that's what I'm talking about. Because, see, when I talk to you, you describe your process and how you come to your conclusions based on you're going to look at the history, look at the diagnosis, and that's how you know how to treat them. But that's what I'm saying. Some people are not doing it. I don't know. They're just going to work, then they go to the lunchroom or something. I don't know what they're doing. But, they, you know, there's a process that the family and the patient needs to be able to say, you know, ask the questions to get the proper treatment or else it's a wrap. So. Um, what would you say, just so people kind of can hear again, you talked about it in the beginning, what are some of the things they need to look out for to know whether they need the help of a speech pathologist? Because, again, you know, we don't, if before you, I really didn't understand what speech pathology was about, speech and language pathology. But what do they need to look for to say, mm, I think this is what we need to see? That's a good question. So it depends on um, obviously the context. If you are talking about a, a child, like a, um, a small child, you should know what the developmental standards are for a child developing speech and language. And that's one of the first problems. And I'll always go back to um, you had mentioned to me before if I saw difference, race, uh, differences racially between patients. And mm-hmm. I said, no, I don't see it individually, but I know that aggregate or the overall uh, difference is there. One of the biggest things is the education of, not educational level, but the understanding and education about uh, child development or about what happens to people. That's the biggest determinant. When you have a family come in, that comes in to, to 
that is inquiring of the school or hospital about what's happening is because they they know they're educated and that they've looked up about certain disorders or problems. And I'm not I know that Google isn't necessarily a total classroom, but it is important to get basic information in order to know that you should even ask a question. Mm-hmm. So I would say if you're talking about young children and I think in general, um, it is so important for every community. It's important for black the black community to be really, really concerned about um, making sure that young people from delivery, from being born into this world, uh, young children, that they have the best opportunity to grow and develop language and to use all of their full potential in terms of, of their, their brain and their language and their expression of it. So you have to just quickly Google and know what are the language expectations. If you know that, right away you should know. As soon as you see a child, and I have um, some pages on TikTokSpeech.com that there's even one page that refers to red black. When you see that at two, at two years old, if your child is not speaking or saying any words, you need to get a speech and language evaluation right away, immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very important not to wait. It's very important to be very quick to respond to things quickly. It's important to go get an evaluation, even if you, you're not sure, because it's better to just have someone whose area this is, is, you know, to give you some feedback. Mm-hmm. So when you... When your question is what should we look for, I would say the first thing is to uh, have some, a bit of an understanding about what are the expectations, because there are expectations, right? Mm-hmm. They, they exist. Whether you know them or not, expectations and development and norms and standards, they're operating in the world. Right. Um, so I think that that's something that's important. If you're talking about an adult, we all age and we have you know, if you age and you're blessed to have your parents, you're going to be dealing with aging parents. Mm-hmm. You're going to be dealing with aging siblings. Mm-hmm. And we are they're the ones that have to be there for our families and for our siblings. So this is another area where people are thrown into the world of what's happening with the person's communication and as you get older, what's happening with your swallowing. So much of what I do is um, because I, I still clinically practice because I I like working with people since being a Girl Scout and since working in a you know my community service and grad school high school um, I just am addicted to I love the geriatric population and um, I love going to see people and I, I walk in that campus every day and so one of the things that I have to do is make sure that person when they swallow that their food is going into the right direction and.
say we need to see a speech language pathologist and get a swallowing uh, evaluation at a hospital or um, some type of outpatient facility. Mm-hmm. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to look at the future of tip-top speech, word stem, and the whole, what's the word you use, conglomerate <laughs> of my girls, Ayana Webb, speech pathology, what resources and solutions. So let's take a quick break and we'll definitely be right back. Here I go. Oh, hold on, (laughs) y'all. Chicago book fairs are the most exciting black book fairs on the planet. Born in July of 2016, Soulful Chicago book fairs have both increased the literary marketplace for black writers and given lovers of black literature places to find books about the black experience the world over. The main summer book fair stretches four city blocks on 61st Street between Cottage Grove and King Drive. Each block is characterized by its own genre, donning the works of fiction authors, nonfiction authors, and children's authors. The day begins with a procession of elders at the top of the road, demonstrating the book fair economy of community elders. to its Grammy-level stage, which has featured musical artists such as Eric Wilson, and many of Chicago's multicultural talents. Chicago Book Fair's lineup of helpful workshops on publishing, writing for children, and legalities of the publishing industry and more. From its exhibitors to its entertainment. Its workshops to its overall power. Soulful Chicago Book Fair will continue to bring literary life and prosperity into the South Side of Chicago for decades. Thank <laughs> you. 
When you built your online store with GoDaddy, all right, guys, we have some great Soulful Chicago Book Fair events to attend. First and foremost, we have every Monday and Friday the Metaverse Mingle. Yes, we have taken the Soulful Chicago Book Fair experience into the Metaverse. That simply means into a live virtual world, Mondays and Fridays. 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. Central Time, come in, learn, take a tour, take a walk, and just download this, download Verbella, which is www.verbella.com. Download that community, get your account, and then set up your avatar. And then our next big book fair will be called the Spring Fling. That's going to be on April 20th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., and it will take place at the Betty Shabazz Academy, which we had our, our event there for the holiday. It was great, but it's going to be book selling, book signing, children's activities, book lovers everywhere, great food, and all of that. So definitely want to see you there. For more information, go to soulfulchicagobookfair.com and join the festivities. Authors, register now. Just go to author submission on the Soulful Chicago Book Fair website. All right. So coming back to our world, I am so happy to have Ayana Webb with me. She is a speech pathologist and my best friend growing up. You're like, oh, let's cry now. Oh, God. But, no, it's great to see sort of the um, – the roads that we've chosen, and how would you compare and um, make sure you take yourself on mute? How would you we compare seeing so black women in this industry versus what? You know, is there, are there a lot of us, and is it important to have us there? Yeah, certainly. Like, so overall, um, I should know, like, the, the, the stats, Gender-wise, for speech uh, pathologists, um, I believe it's overwhelmingly uh, women, I believe. I should look it up. Mm-hmm. And I think that in terms of black women, the entire um, um, lot of speech pathologists, I believe our percentage is, our percentage is maybe 2%, and I may be overstating it um, at this point. I, I believe when I investigated these pathologists over um, 20 years ago, we were probably just in one Sorry, this call is calling out there. Go ahead. Go ahead. So we were 
we would go to uh, high school, um, even, I believe we've even done some junior high, uh, junior high level to just expose the field, because a lot of it is just even exposure of the field. It wasn't even on my radar when I was in undergraduate at all. Right. Um, it's, um, so it's certainly something that can, you know, exposure of the field. This, this show, for example, uh, more, there are more uh, students going into the field. And uh, Sharp opened, you would never believe she actually, I had treated um, a relative of hers, and she came to the session. And I believe she was... She may have been in college, but at some point, I got a Facebook message from a, uh, a black woman who was interested in a deal. To move the story forward, um, that woman uh, needed to have a supervisor, and it was me. And then I realized that she was that young person that I think seen who was interested in a field wow. about years ago, and it was amazing. I, it was amazing that she was in front of me, now in a field, being a supervisor, and I'm happy to be a supervisor. And I've had other, you know, sporadic interests, so sometimes just exposure, having, you know, another uh, person say, hey, you know, I never heard of this, and um, that, that's something that's important when you see someone that that, that looks like you and may have more commonality with you. Yes. Not something, but in something, it's like something inside to say, hey, you know what, I think I can do that. I have an interest in that. Yes. So having problems and being, like, not to cut the communication, but having problems, specifically speech problems, I know we see them in our community, but when you have a doctor that looks like you, there's a trust factor that you almost expect. Not a, unfortunately, not always the case, but we almost expect it and really feel good when we have it because this is a touchy thing. Like you put in somebody's life in somebody's hands, and I think, you know, you even existing as an example for younger black girls. Eek. Yeah. You I want to be a doctor. Okay, got it. But what you want to do, like what do you really want to handle and help people uh, uh improve, you know, in their lives. And I think it's so important, 2%, you know what I'm saying, 2%. That's what we're doing. Like, we, and, and it's on us. I don't blame nobody else for that. You know, we have to be aware of this industry, and we have to be aware that there is something we can do about it. It's something that we can do about all of these impairments we see in our community for whatever reason. You know, whether whether it's the stuttering, whether it's the, you know, a lot of times in our backgrounds, you don't necessarily have people who are going to develop your vocabulary and or even see that what you, oh, that's just the way he is. I told earlier that mentality, oh, that's just the way he is and not addressing that speech issue. Or sometimes I'll see our children don't speak full sentences. they five years old and they're not speaking fully versus other cultures where they are. There's a, a myriad of reasons for that, but to know that there's something that can be done about it, that there are products that exist that you created that they can use, you know, to become better. And so if you all want to say anything before we leave, we're almost close to that time. The number is 727-731-5192. Feel free to call in before we leave if you have any questions. For, can I call you Dr. Webb? Does they call you Dr. Webb? What do they call you? No, I'm, I'm not. No, I don't, I'm not. A, <laughs> I'm calling her that because I want to. 
Dr. Wick. She be having on a white coat. That's all I care about. But, yeah, you know, uh, if you have questions for Ms. Webb about something you're experiencing with your child, with your mom, with your brother, and you just didn't know this is an opportune time to take advantage of being able to speak to someone who can actually help you better identify what the problem might be and how to handle it. We already know. I'm going to put your uh, website down here again, which is Tip Top Speech, because you said Tip Top Speech has the majority of what they would want in terms of the cards and the book and all of that. Okay. And uh, so correct, I did check my number. So we are 5%. There are 5% of, of uh, speech language pathologists are, are black, um, about 88% are, no, actually about 95% are women, and about 4.9% uh, or something. Yeah, about 4.9% or something are men. Mm-hmm. So it's a big uh, gender discrepancy. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so those are the issues. So, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll take five. That is a good thing because you said when you started it was like 1%. Yeah, but if, yeah. if it's 5%, so that's good. So those of you that are out there and you may not know the direction you want to go or you have children that are going in a direction, because a lot of times when young people go to college, they really don't have an idea of what they want to do and just kind of end up choosing things so they think they want a job. But here's something where we're hearing, yo, I got into this, but it actually is solving problems, you know, really solving the fact that people are having some challenges with speech. And speech, you know, nobody, when you go to school, they don't take no time teaching you no speech. You're just going to get it as you get it, as you're wherever you live, and you're going to mirror what is around you. But what I love, I was thinking this as you were talking, we actually can take this and take your work and intentionally refine our speech ability. We could literally just take some intention and just like you would go to a gym to lose weight, this is something you can do to apply to the teaching of a child, to the handling of an elder who's losing their speech, like to do something so that they improve their performance. And so what do you see for, or what would you like to happen for WordStem and your products and services 2024 and more. What what do you see for the future? What would you like to see? Yeah. Well, I did want to, you know, quickly run down that um, for for speech, for anyone who's interested, they should definitely, um, you could look into, I think I looked it up in like a career book, but you'll finish um, high school. And if you wanted high school, obviously, and then college, and you can actually begin brand new a speech uh, pathology program in a graduate program. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to set yourself up, and even if you like, I looked into a way after I was done with college, so you can find one where you can do the basic courses. You should start looking into them, uh, calling around, and looking to where any of this the speech pathology program. Some people even leave the state to to go because some of them it could be a pretty competitive. Um, I would say entry point to get into at any graduate school for any of us. Mm. So you should get a list of them. You should visit, call, and then you should apply. And yeah. go to graduate school and um, finish either an MS or an MA program. And um, they're wonderful, very, very high um, 
a rate of employment, you'll pretty much never, ever um, have lack of work. Wow. And big, diverse skill. You can treat children. You can treat adults. You can treat different levels of skills of speech, voice. Some people work with people in theater. Um, you can treat people who have uh, problems with slow speech. You can work with the geriatric population. You can work with newborn babies that help them learn how to feed. And it's just it's amazing. I absolutely love it. I feel really blessed. So mm. just wanted to uh, just let you know how you would move forward. Um, in terms of the question that you asked is what I see in the future. And um, I think um, I want what I do, you know, when I see patients, you know, I'm not always, you know, we all have to get up in the morning and what we have to do to get to where we have to get. Sometimes it can it can be tough, but um, sometimes if I feel a little bit luggish, I actually will pray and I just say, you know what, this is someone else and I'm, I can eat my food and chew and swallow and I can speak and I'm going to see a person that has problems with that. Mm. And I actually pray to God, like, you know, I want, help me do the best job right now walking into this room. Mm. Because it's easy to just sometimes go about your day and do something you've done a hundred times. But at the end of the day, that's the person. And it's okay to just say, hey, you know, I feel like I have a lack of energy. I'm going to pray and I'm going to do the best for this person. Mm. Uh, because you may be such a big difference with that person. So mm. what do I want to see is, I want to see a really thriving healing healthcare field. Um, I want, I like getting along with the nurses and not that I have ever not, but it's a lot, just even the relationship between healthcare workers makes a big difference for patients. Mm. And um, it's important that, you know, we, um, we do better with that field. You know those things, you got some callers. So we do have a caller, caller at Seven seven three four one zero. You're live. Say your name and where you're from. Good morning. This is Sandra L. Washington. I am calling from Chicago, uh, and I've yeah. been here listening. Of course, can you hear me? Yeah, baby, we hear you good. Okay, because I am in the as an advocate, I'm working with the underserved, under-resourced, and the disabled communities. What Ayanna stated this, you know, this morning rang a bell to me, so I called in. And this is what I would like to say. She is so right when she says that you need to have your information, which is one reason why I created the Health Planner and Journal, because you need to write it down. Um, aside of the situation that you faced when you went to the hospital and, you know, before they diagnosed you with your stroke, that was gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Start using your mm-hmm. tools. Write it down. Get a journal. You know, there's. Yeah, I'm doing a Black History event myself, so get a journal. There's two tools that you can use that are now on in the cloud that allows you to take your information down. Use your social media for more than you just, you know, visual viewing Facebook and LinkedIn. Start taking pictures when you go to places when you're not receiving that care that you should be receiving so that others can take notice. And guess what? So will the hospitals and the doctors when you're not being treated correctly. So by all means, Diana, thank you so much for bringing that up. 
And I do highly encourage everyone to start writing it down and start taking pictures and placing them on social media so that not only you can get the help that you need, but others can get the help that they need. So once again, thank you so much, Ayanna, for bringing that point up. I am complete. How do we know more about her resource? What's your website, baby? It's going to be www.medihelp, and medihelp is M-E-D-I-H-E-L-P-Z.com. You can also view all of the Black History Month events that I'm doing are on LinkedIn, and they're also on Facebook Live. And thanks to Asada, they are now all on YouTube. So, yeah, it's a number of ways that you can reach out if you'd like to have a conversation please do reach out to me. I'm available to talk at any time. Thank you so much. Nice. That's Sandra L. Washington. Sandra L. Washington. She's also in our metaverse, so you can get her book in our metaverse. Come in. You'll see her office. You'll see her, her book on the wall. You can tap it, buy it. So, But her journal helps people start to record what they're experiencing with a person that's ill so that you're not, like, in a quandary, like, I don't know what happened and not face or like what I faced when I didn't know what was going on and nobody really had my background. I know. Thank you so much, Sandra. I know we have another caller at 773-690. You are live. Tell us your name and where you're from. Rashida Ali calling. 773-690. Are you still there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Okay. I don't know if they're still there, but I know what we got. Not going to We'll bring them when they come, but we're not going to sit and wait for that. So I do love uh, the vision that you have for the industry. You are very modest, so I'm going to tell them what my vision is. My vision is that WordStem massively revolutionizes the speech pathology industry. And when I say that, you guys, um, I feel like when I'm involved in it, I feel like, ooh, this is mine. Like I, I want to spread this word because it's such uncharted waters. And, you can, you know, I think the medical industry, it could be drab in terms of data. It's a lot of words. It's a lot of you got to know. Great, smart people. But I, I know when I watch WordStem, it reinvites, maybe just invites in general, fun to the healing process. It adds fun to the healing process. So now – Instead of people just sitting with a patient talking about, let me hear you, like some boringness. No, there's a game they get to play. There are colors they get to acknowledge. There are, you know, sounds they get to make. And so I see WordStem revolutionizing the speech pathology industry. I feel like every institution that has speech pathologists should buy 15 for the next coming in class, buy 20. Like it's something that institutions need to give to practitioners so that they can improve their game. That's my vision. That's what's going on. 2024 and more. Like it's like a hospital wouldn't not have it if it, if they don't have it. It's kind of like you don't have a word term. Like yeah, that why you ain't got words term? It's sort of like you're you're antiquated if you don't have it. So boom, that's my my future goal. That's what I see for it. And with shows like this, we can just make it well known. Just my own little story. Um, I was at an event. It was a book event. My girl, uh, Jerima Gore, with Burst Intimacy, and she had some speech pathologists there. And so I came to their table. No black women. It's all right. We're going to leave it alone. But I get there. 
And when I see they into speech pathology and I start describing words them, the gaping of the mouths and the stretching of the eyes, them girls was bugging like, what is that? What website is that? Like they could, it was almost like they were hungry for that. Like they wanted it so bad. And so that's what I see is that they're not going to have to do that because when they get there, they're told words them will help you. And so it is in institutions like that. And for you all that are families out there, yes, this can definitely be something that you use. Um, I think 312-690, we have a caller that's coming in. Are you there? Yeah. 312-690. Can you hear me? Maybe they'll call back. But anyway, I only have about four minutes. So is there anything that you want to say? And if you're a caller or you tried to call, just Type your message in the chat under whether it's YouTube or Facebook, and then I'll see it, and then we can post it. But go ahead. Ayana, if you have something you want to share with people before we end, give it to them. Yeah, I mean, okay. So I will um, apply for um, a, a, a national health grant. We would like to have worsen involved in research um, with um, patients who have aphasia. Um, I definitely, like I said, I want a, a compassionate healthcare environment um, where we are setting the terms and creating protocols that, you know, therapists feel excited to use. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that um, very often if you have a stroke and you have a phaser, your language may not return exactly as it was, and this is not saying that we will, but we want you to be able to do the best that you can and fulfill your potential with the, your new form of language. And so that anybody with disability, any type of disability, that you are gathered into the community, that you're valued despite the fact that you may have a disability. And so that's a part of uh, my vision and that um, that's something that we can actually do from the ground up, from, like I say, the NICU, the NICU to the NICU, NICU for newborn babies, to NICU to possibly older adults, and um, that that would be my vision. That's what I'm talking about, y'all. Look, I love bringing people that can catapult us into the future. I'm going to try to take this caller. Take your phone off mute, 312-690, if you are there. You got like a minute. Hello? 312-690. Hello? What's going on? Mm. Hello. Going on twice. Hello. That's okay. Well, what I want to do today is just thank you, Ayana, for being here, for taking the time to um, just share with us, I'm sure, information we did not have. I'm telling you, I, I, before I knew you, I did not understand or even know that a speech pathology world existed, that this, this, is, a, this is a situation this, that's real. People have these speech impairments, and because I've never been exposed to that, in my immediate, it hasn't become relevant. And thanks to the creator, when I had my stroke, I didn't lose my ability to speak. You understand? That, that's a blessing. But it could have easily been that. You know, I've had Bell's palsy, all kinds of stuff. So it's like, you know, when you're dealing with that, I have somebody special boop, 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 that I can attend to, but you all do now too. If you, um, to reach you, do you want them to go to tiptopspeech.com? Or do you want them to call a number? What would you prefer? You're on mute for some reason. 
they can go to tiptopspeech.com. Um, I am also on um, Facebook, Ayana Webb. There are many Ayana Webb, but uh, you'll see me. You'll see some, some things about um, my about me. You'll see my picture. Word uh, Sim is on Facebook. Uh, definitely please send me a message. I uh, would love to hear from you. If you have any questions about something going on in your life, I help a lot of people like that as well. So definitely uh, reach out to me. Sounds good. I want to thank you so much. Thank you all for watching, being here. You're tuned in to Gathering of the Griots. We're here every Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. And Central. So we stream live. We stream live. We've come to the end of our show today. But you can hear every show in the archive at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash thefemalesolution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows, listen to our radio shows, order our books, and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Alingato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, John Kujun, France, Merci. Spain, gracias, Italy, grazie, Egypt, shukran, Ghana, Medasi, Nigeria, Eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jared, Kenya, Asante, Israel, Toda, Pakistan, Shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakor, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you, and may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessing.